Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Northview, and I'm reunited with my team. <laughs> it's Crystal and Aaron. Say hi. Hello. Hi. So for, we didn't do one last week because I don't know the craziness of Easter and everything like that. And then two weeks before that, I was with Paul and Carla one week. And Paul, because you were on holidays in Lithuania. Yep. And Tell England. us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, my parents have been involved in a uh, liberal arts university, kind of like a Trinity Western style um, university that was started there 25 years ago and wow. it's called Lithuania. Now it's not called Lithuania International Uni- or Lithuania Christian College International University, something like that. That's a long LC- name. LCC <laughs> International University. Okay. That's what it is. It started off Lithuania Christian College and they still wanted to keep the LCC in the name. Um, so that was 25 years since it uh, started. It was a big celebration, big party. So we went to celebrate with them. So who all went? Uh, Myself, my husband, Bob, and then my brother and sister-in-law, and my mom and dad, and then people from all over North America and Europe. It's a really significant thing to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of time and energy they've invested into that over the years. And, you know, they recounted a lot of schools that they knew that started, right? It was right, they were invited in when the Soviet Union was collapsing, right, Mm -hmm. in the early 90s. And there was a lot of schools that were started by missionary agencies, and they're, I think, pretty much the only one that's still going. So to have oh, longevity, longevity, right, to be able to build and have people come alongside financially and people volunteer to teach there and wow. until they can actually get on their feet, mm-hmm. that has been they basically the only one, I think, that's had that staying power hmm. to keep going. So that's a great celebration. So way. how many students would attend this university? Uh, I think the student body is about 450. Wow, that's a good yeah. size. So, yeah. Yeah, from all over... The place, yeah, like yeah. all over Europe, Asia, uh, they have fifteen, I think, people who were kind of from refugee camps okay. that they uh, got permission for them to come, and it was a real oh. God thing for these people because they, as people that were from a Muslim background from Syria and like those kind of places, they right. can't get access very easily into any EU universities. There's a lot of suspicion yeah. around them, and they were given access to to the university, and so we. I wasn't there; it was the day before we got there, but they heard the stories of some of these people from their time in the refugee camps and. So That's yeah, That's neat. That was very cool. And then we spent a bunch of days wandering around London, the two yeah. of us. So that was fun. Just checking Date out a week. place that we had never been before. Like neither of us had been there. So yeah. it was That's cool. getting on our Google Maps. And, and while it. you were gone, our new semester for the women's ministry started up and yeah. your team did an incredible job. Yeah, that's yes. what I heard. Yeah. yeah. So nice to know. Like As I left, I felt completely comfortable leaving it in their hands mm. and yeah. It went well, from what I heard. It did. Sign of a good leader. Well, I know. <laughs> and, and some a good, good teammates. Team. Yeah, absolutely. Teammates. Yep. So we have started in the last few weeks, we've started following the sermon series. And so we are doing that again today. We are following up on the Easter Sunday service. Well, Saturday night as well. Yeah. It was on uh, Matthew 28, 1 to 10. So let's get Aaron to read that. And then Crystal's going to give us a breakdown of the sermon. And we're going to walk through that a little bit. Well, actually, Crystal's going to walk through it. We're just going (laughs) to let her go. Okay, Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. 
Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they, there they will see me. Okay, Crystal. So it was on belief and doubt. Yeah, so that wasn't um, necessarily the title of Jeff's sermon, but he went at this text very mm-hmm. much from a, an apologetic standpoint. Like, what does this text teach us about the resurrection in terms of that intellectual piece? Like, so what we have do to we explain know? apologetic a little bit. Yeah, so apologetic is providing a reason for our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andy quotes that a lot in his Apologetics mm-hmm. Canada, as he yes. tells, talks. it's a verse in First Peter 3, I believe, which yes. talks about always being ready to give a reason for the hope that we believe. Yeah. And so the word apologia comes from that the word. The Greek word. It's Greek not, apologia. not to apologize. No. <laughs> it's to give a no, reason. To give a reason. And so when Jeff preached this text, he did it from that standpoint of how to convince or just convincing somebody of the truth of it, the verifiability of this text for somebody that might be a skeptic in the audience. Kind of an academic kind of look at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had the heart pieces in there, especially when he mm-hmm. talked about his mom and other pieces that mm-hmm. talked about the reality of heaven. But yeah, it was that, how do we engage your mind mm-hmm. with this text? If someone's asking you questions, if someone doesn't know whether Easter is actually a real thing, right. how do we walk through this text? And so the three points that he made were that uh, this text talks about the fact that the resurrection is true, that it's powerful, and that it's physical. So the part about it being true, he talked about the first few verses there, which uh, quotes or... Uh, Matthew mentions the fact that it was women who were the first witnesses. Mm-hmm. And he basically made the point that if anybody was trying to make up a story, they wouldn't have women being the witnesses to it because women weren't considered trustworthy in a court of law. And so they would have, if they're trying to make up a story to make people believe it, they would have some, whatever, high priest or something witness yeah. it. But because it was wit- women witnessing it, it kind of smacks to the truth of it. Yes. And then the second point he made is that... Um, it's not necessarily from this passage so much, but if you compare Matthew's account with Mark's account, with Luke's account and John's account, they all pull out different pieces. And he talked about the fact that having um, many different vantage points on an eyewitness account doesn't mean it's that's untrue. It's just that different people will notice different things, bring out different things of what they notice. And as long as the core of the truth, mm-hmm. the core of the message is the same, then you know that there's a true uh, account because they're not coming together in a room trying to say, okay, you, we all have yeah. to say exactly the same thing. They're not colluding. No, then, yes. it, then it sounds like a conspiracy. Yeah. Right? So he brought out those two points from that first thing to, to verify the fact that this is a true story. And then he went on to talk about how it was powerful. And basically, as you read through that scripture passage, like Aaron did, you see that there was an earthquake, mm-hmm. uh, that there was might and power. And that was kind of a symbol of God throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Whenever he appears, mm-hmm. there's like that earthquake um, just a display of his power. And so that was, again, was part of this. And so much so that the guards were basically afraid as if they yeah, were dead. And, right. and he kind of made a joke about the fact that this That's isn't later. the mall cop kind of guards, yeah. like the people that we think of kind of buffoons. <laughs> These are like Roman centurions who yeah. would have been used to anything. And yet they were quaking um, and as if they were dead, it says in there. So he talked about that as being a proof of the resurrection. And then the third thing, this, that it was physical, that when Mary and... Who are the characters in this, the two women? Mary Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. The other Mary. When the two Marys saw him, they ran to Jesus and grabbed his feet. And so then he made a point of talking about the physicality of Jesus, that he had feet. He wasn't a ghost. And when they could later touch his hands and his side, they could actually touch him. They didn't like 
their hands didn't go through him as they yes. were, you know, interacting with him, that he ate later a fish. Yes. So he said digestive system. And so they're talking about then what that means for us in terms of the resurrection body, because it's kind of in Christian folklore or whatever, that we'll be in a disembodied state in heaven. And like a about, spirit kind of idea. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we'll live in this kind of world that isn't yeah. physical or real. And then he went from there to talk about the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah. As described in Revelation 21. So. There was one interesting piece in there. He talked about how Jesus had a physical body, yeah. and yet we see evidence that he was able to walk through walls. Like yeah. He still had a spirit form and power in that. So like when the stone was rolled away, he didn't need it to be rolled away for him to get out of the tomb. Right. So Jeff made this point that Jesus wasn't standing on the other side going, knock, 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 knock let yeah. me out. <laughs> like he could still walk through the stone like or however yeah. he did it. So the bodies wouldn't be exactly the same. I guess if that's the case, if that's if we're all like Jesus when we're resurrected, right? But there's a physicality still yeah. to it, and still recognized just... as Jesus. Yeah. So somehow that we have characteristics of who we are. Yeah. Which yeah. is really neat. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So that was basically the sermon yeah. recap, um, mm-hmm. and then talked about yeah, just that joy that we have in in the fact that we are saved from death, and that this isn't the final word. Um. So as I was reading through some Facebook posts, there's so many like happy Easter posts and like it was just, right. you know, very interesting to see the posts from Christian friends versus non-Christian on Facebook. Right. Like it was totally. so different. Like this is mm-hmm. one holiday where you see the difference displayed, yeah. right? In social media. But the one was a Babylon Bee article. And if I know some of the pastors have quoted Babylon Bee before, but if you've never read it and if you like satire, if you don't mind laughing at yourself as a Christian or at other Christians. It's a very funny yes. website. So you have to, <laughs> to know it's kind to. of like a joke. Like yeah. it's and it's going to poke buttons. It's yeah. like a show like The Simpsons or like other shows like that that are going to be poking fun at things. Yeah. So that's a Babylon Bee. But I saw an article that was shared and it gave, it's called, here are three totally solid reasons to believe Jesus Christ came back from the dead, but I don't believe them because I'm not a weak-minded moron. Yeah. <laughs> that was the title of the article. But in that, they go through three reasons that other people would give to add to that apologetic for the faith. And so yes. I'll just quickly mention them, and then we'll go on to that. But they just talk about the fact that the, the tomb was empty. And there's, you know, if, if the Roman guards right. or somebody could have produced a body, like they would yeah. have. Mm-hmm. It would have been recorded. Yeah. Yes. Because it would have defeated this whole movement, which yeah. was what the Romans wanted. Yeah. yeah. So there was nobody at the time that could actually refute that. Yeah. And there's nobody that produced a body. And it was done within the city limits where everybody could have gone and looked. Like it wasn't yeah, like in some right. secret mountainside somewhere, right? Yes. It was right in front of everybody. Uh, the empty tomb. Second thing he talks, they talk about in this Babylon Bee article are the changed lives of the people. And so you see, even in the gospel accounts, when Peter and John and others thought Jesus was dead, they just went back to fishing, like yeah. right after, right? But then all of a sudden when they met Jesus resurrected, their lives were transformed yes. and they went and they were ready to be tortured, to be beaten, to go yeah. to all lengths. They basically lived the rest of their lives as nomads, yeah. going around strengthening the churches. And mm-hmm. the article makes the point, like, you wouldn't do that no, if right. this was a lie. They would have just kept on fishing. Like yeah. They had gone back to doing. Yeah. Many died a martyred death. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul had a cushy life as a yeah. Pharisee. He wouldn't have given that all no. up if he didn't think that, or if he hadn't encountered the resurrected Jesus. And then the third art, what reason was just the spread of Christianity, that Christianity mm-hmm just exploded yes. after that. And if it had been a dead person, like they'd had lots of dead kind of messiahs in the Jewish faith, faith before that, and they'd kind of had their claim to flame for a few years, but then they died and then mm-hmm. it just kind of fizzled. Mm-hmm. But it didn't with Christianity. It's exploded and it's been going strong ever since. I think as a kid, I just thought it was only just the disciples and the Marys 
that, that saw, saw him, him after yeah. he was resurrected. And then as you read more, you kind of get struck by the fact that, wow, there were like hundreds of people, yes. hundreds that would have seen this. It's accounted in more than one gospel that there yeah. were hundreds of people that saw this. And then, like you said, then people just average people could have been near the tomb and known that it was empty. Like yeah. there were so many people in that area. The city was full of people. Yeah. 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 I think first Corinthians talks about, Paul talks about over 500 people witnessed yeah. to, mm-hmm. to Jesus's resurrection. And they're all people they would say like this so-and-so, this guard, so-and-so, this person, like you could go check it out, talk to them. Yeah. Like it wasn't like some mystical experience. Right. So, so. so many firsthand accounts in that first bit of time, that first few days, few months that could have been recorded. Yeah. Just yeah. verbally or written. And nobody, as the disciples were telling these stories, even in the book of Acts, no one's refuting their, their claims. Like no. the Sanhedrin, none of them are saying, well, no, we found the body. Nobody's refuting the claims that they're making. So it's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. What other resources do you have for us? Well, the thing that comes, came to mind as I was talking about this is the fact that Jeff needed to speak about it is the fact that a lot of people doubt it. Yeah. And we know people in our own lives that doubt it. And so I thought we could spend in the rest of the podcast talking about why people have doubts. Yeah. If this is as verifiable as it is, like Jeff said in the sermon, it's more verifiable than the fact that Jul- Julius Caesar lived. Mm-hmm. No one doubts that. Mm-hmm. If it's so verifiable, why do we have people in our families, people, friends, people in society that doubt? Yeah. So I thought we could talk about that and then maybe talk about our own experiences with doubt and then what, what's helpful and what's not? Because yeah. as we walk alongside people, our kids who are doubting, how do we do it in a way that's helpful? So yeah. So the one, um, well, I'll get to that resource in a bit. But I think one of the reasons that we doubt is in our world, especially like North America, we just don't believe in anything miraculous happening. Mm-hmm. Like I think in general, people don't think that, right? No, it has to be proven scientifically. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be able to kind of put it in a Bunsen burner and redo yeah. the same thing. For us to believe that it actually happened at one yes. point. You have to see it, feel it, touch it. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't necessarily believe in like a spirit world no. here the same way. No. Whereas if you're in places like Africa and stuff, I think there's more of that. They right. have less of that scientific or that naturalist mindset. Right. Because yeah. you would have the instinct towards ancestor worship and, and things like that. That would be just... An, or even just reincarnation re- or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Those ideas of life coming back or... Mm-hmm. But in our mindset, it's very much a naturalist thing. But I think the biggest reason, and I'll point you to somebody who would share this idea, is that people doubt for emotional reasons. Yeah. Because they don't really want to believe this. No. And so why do you think, why don't people want to believe it? We don't really want to change our lives. If this is true, we don't really want to believe that Jesus exists and that we need to submit our lives to him. That we might be answerable to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That authority piece is really hard. I want to do my own thing when I want to do yes, it, how I want to do it. And don't tell me differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think that independence, like I'm my own person. Yeah. Who's going to tell me what to do. Yeah. This book is just telling me a whole bunch of things I can and cannot do. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the people that I know um, have been hurt by the church or yes. hurt by God in the sense that they expected God to come through in a certain way yeah. and then he didn't. And so mm-hmm. then they thought, okay, now I have to actually reconstruct what I think because I don't want to believe that I don't like these people at the church. And so I don't want to think that they might have something true to say, or I don't like God because he didn't come through. And so I'm going to right. make up all these reasons why I don't believe. Mm-hmm. And so like what Gary Habermas would say is the root of a lot of doubt. People might put up all these intellectual arguments, but at the root of a lot of it, I think he said 80% at one point in, in a talk that he gave is 
based on emotional things. Yeah. That okay. we have an emotional reason we don't want to follow God. Yeah. And so we make up reasons. Another reason I see locally is that there are so many different kinds of churches and faiths, and a lot of us don't want to put the hard work in right. to find the truth. Right. So we go, oh, I That's don't I know which one to and believe, so I'll just go back into TV and Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we just yeah. want to distract ourselves with music and pleasure, and we don't actually want to do the hard work of what is the truth. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people, I think in our community, if you've come from a Christian family— You've grown up in that um, that kind of climate, and then there comes a point where you need to make it your own, and that making it your own is some work and some confession and some yeah. heart yeah. work, yeah, and and some brain work. Yeah, there's all these pieces to it, and I think when somebody gets to that crossroads and they just say, "Uh, something about this doesn't make sense to me," I'm just gonna ditch it. Yeah, my parents were just fools. Or well, why do you want to give up like, time to go to church? Why do you yeah. want to open your Bible? Why do you want to try to pray? Why do you want to do those things when you can just have fun? Well, and there's far more interesting things to do apparently Absolutely. on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I think sometimes too that the, this isn't so much emotional, but I think there's once in a while there's just something that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, yeah. and and it niggles away in your brain. You're like, I just, I never hear the answer for that. No one's addressing it. I can't yeah. figure out the answer to that. There yeah. was one thing I've, I'm not a doubter, but probably two years ago, I came up against this thing and it wouldn't release from my brain. I kept mm. coming up against this hiccup point. And, um, I think I probably just quietly wrestled with it because I was a little bit afraid to say it out loud. Yeah. And, um, thought this might be the hinge point of Hmm. maybe would I would I maybe not believe anymore like I don't know and then we were working through women's bible study one time and Crystal you gave the explanation for this thing and I took it home and I recopied that explanation and I put it in a really safe spot because I was Hmm. like I'm not a person who can remember things for a particularly long time I don't hold that data in my head and I knew I'd have to come back to this. And I have probably two hmm. times I've gone back to that and been like, okay, let me just see what was that explanation. And I've added to it with a bit more information over the years hmm. or the year or so. Because I, I was a little bit nervous. I thought, uh-oh, yeah. I don't know if I can get over this little hiccup. And and if no one addresses it and you're afraid to say it, then you might not find the answer. And then eventually you might get tired of wrestling with it and just hmm. give it up. That's the other piece is that we are often afraid to say our yeah. doubts if we come from a Christian home where our parents have just believed. Yeah. They're afraid to raise those things because our parents might shut us down. Or other friends might, or they might yeah. look at us funny. Or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like, what do you mean you don't just believe it? Yeah. Why are you wrestling with that? That's been dealt with a long time ago. Didn't you read that in Sunday school, learn that in Sunday school, sing about that? Like, you should just be accepting of that. Right. Yeah. Let's go back to the old hymn. <laughs> I'll <laughs> yeah. answer it for you. Yeah, I'm so, not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> it happens like that. Yeah, so if doubt is something that you struggle with or you know somebody that is, I just would recommend Gary's book. Yeah, tell it's us what's... Gary Habermas. It's, a, it's called Dealing with Doubt, and you can buy it on Amazon, or you can buy you can go online on his website. I think it's all on there. And he has a whole bunch of resources on his website. Uh, he came a couple of years ago for the Apologetics Conference, and he gave a conference or a lunch mm. to all the pastors locally and really talked about the proofs of the resurrection. Which was good, factual, but I really liked his talk on doubt because it was just talking that human level. Yeah. You know, even though this is all true, why do we still have trouble believing it? Yeah. And so uh, his name is just spelled like Gary, G-A-R-Y, and then Habermas, H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S. And so his website is GaryHabermas.com. Yeah. So just look it up and it's great. 
Cool. Yeah, or you can go to Apologetics Canada and you mm-hmm. can look at the yeah. thinking series yeah. and you can do That's that right. in a group or by yourself. Yeah, it deals with a lot of the big questions that people ask. Yeah. Do you remember some of the questions they ask? Aaron, do you remember? It's like... It's uh, like, why, why, if there's God, why is there evil? Yeah. Does um, God exist? Does yeah. God one exist? Of the first the basic one. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't taken it. It's no. being taught by both Sarah and um, Kendra here on Monday nights and Wednesday mornings. So, so. don't let Andy listen to this and no. say, we haven't read his book. <gasps> no. <laughs> but yeah, it's been on my list to do yes. for a while. Yeah. So you had some personal experiences with doubt. Is that your first time that you that wrestled with it? That's truly, I think, the first time I really wrestled with doubt I've always just faithfully walked through and I mean as far as believing I may not have been faithful in all my actions but I but you're faithfully believed for most of my life I just there in this one thing and it just niggled and I I don't know yeah, for me, it's also been that way, too. I've learned to develop a healthy level of skepticism and doubt because I think that's very wise in whatever we do, whether you attend a certain school or take a certain course or you're at a certain church. I think we do need to have our brains on and engaged. We have to have a level mm-hmm. of discernment, but that isn't naturally where I would be. So I think if I'd been raised in a Mormon family or Jehovah's Witness family, I would be that fully and completely because I would follow my parents. Hmm. So I've learned to develop that. And now I work with a lot of people who struggle with doubts of all different kinds. And I love it. I love it that they're different than I am. It pushes I, you? It pushes me. And I often tell them, we have a big God. If God yeah. exists, which I believe he right. does, he's a big God and he can handle our questions. Yeah. He doesn't have to give us all the answers, but it's okay for us to approach him with our questions and our doubts. He still loves us. Yeah. And the example of like Thomas in the mm-hmm. Bible, he's not re- he's not rebuked for no. the fact that he needed some extra proof. No, right? he's not cast out no. because he has doubts. So we can take that to heart yeah. that God and throughout the Psalms, you have lots of parts in the Psalms where the psalmists are crying out, "Why God?" Sure. and I don't understand, yeah. and crying, putting their heart out before God. And he's like, that's part of the scriptures. Yeah. Like yeah. that's an okay thing to do as Christians. And as we read scripture, I think it, it it's solidifying each part of it to each other yeah. as you go back and forth. And any time that you're reading scripture or studying by in a Bible study setting or taking any kind of post-secondary kind of academic classwork where you're like trying to figure something out scripturally, theologically, you're wrestling with that stuff all the time. So, I mean, there's naturally, if you're pursuing your Christian faith in more than just maybe sitting in a church service once in a while, I think you you do have those challenging statements that come up and you might wrestle, even if you're not really truly a doubter, you might wrestle for short periods of time with it. Oh, okay, I do. I hear what he's saying. Let me just see if there's some more. Oh, yes, this confirms that. And it just keeps on going like that over the years. So how do we walk alongside those um, in our lives, our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors who are really struggling with doubt? Yeah, so when I think back to my own life, I had a period in my teenage years where I was really doubting. And what I really liked is that my parents didn't freak out about it. They didn't say, you shouldn't doubt. They didn't say, that's dumb. They didn't, like, just tell me to have faith. They didn't get angry. And they didn't, like, overly, like, smother me with information. They just prayed for me. They gave me some books to read if I wanted to. And they just kind of let me sort it out and let me wrestle. Yeah. And as a kid, like looking back on that, I think, wow, that was a great model for me because mm-hmm. they didn't, it was like they had confidence that God could do it, Yeah, could convince me and they were just going to let God do it and yeah. they were going to be there to be part of it. But yeah. it was, I didn't feel like pounced on. Yeah. And so I'd say that would be a, something for 
advice wise, I would say to people to try and do that if yeah. they can. Don't give in to being overwhelmed is what I would say to parents. Yeah. Don't freak out. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be really highly anxious because your kids might say all kinds of things about creation or whatever, and they might wrestle with different things. But it's okay to let them wrestle. There means their brains are active and engaged and they're smart. And I would point them to good resources. Mm-hmm. So I've pointed neighbors to the Apologetics website. I've said, get in contact totally. with the Apologetics staff, meet with them. They will meet with them for coffee. Like, pursue the resources we have available. Yeah. One of my children, one of my older kids had uh, a season where there was lots of questions. And I I didn't know what all the answers were right off the top of my head while we're driving through town. Yeah. So we started putting together a book called The Stumper Book. Mm. And we would write these things down. And then it was either, okay, well, maybe dad knows. Or (laughs) maybe I have to do a little bit more research on this. Maybe you'll learn the answer when you're sitting in Sunday school one day. And we can come back and we can put the reason, the answer there. And it was kind of a short-lived project. But we've come back to it once in a while and said, oh, remember that stumper you had? (laughs) Well, the Case for Faith has a kids series yeah. that my kids did when they were like middle school age, and you can do it a little bit younger than that. And then, of course, they have the Case for Faith for adults, and Case for Jesus, Case for Christ, really helpful books as well. So that was sort of our way of dealing with the stumper Stumpers. questions. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like that because it doesn't feel scary then. If you're just writing down a question and trying to figure out the right. answer, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's this big, oh no, they're doubting, right? Right, and it it's didn't just, need an answer that week no. even. And if it fizzled, it fizzled, but it, it served a purpose of saying, it's okay to write mm-hmm. down our questions and to think about them. Yeah. And yeah. our youngest is now at the age, probably really similar age to where those guys were when they started coming up with these stumpers. And now she's just come up with like, what about dinosaurs? Where does <laughs> mm-hmm. that fit in? And I was like, uh, okay, hang on. Let's, <laughs> let's go back to this book. Let's see if we can figure out the answer to this one. Yeah. I think what's interesting is I found is that those teens and kids and young adults that ask these tough questions and are really engaged, they are often more involved in church. Whereas when parents shut down their kids and don't allow them to have questions and doubts, yeah. those kids kind of drift away. They're like, well, nobody's going to really hear my questions anyway, so I might as well just not go. Because they yeah. maybe, yeah, and maybe because they think, well, Christianity doesn't have reasons, doesn't yeah. have answers. Yeah. No one's giving me an answer for it, so and, I might as well just leave. And kids and teens really want to be listened to. Yeah, that's so what can, I was going to say, too. Just listen yeah. well. If you can spend time with them simply listening, asking good questions like, where have you heard that? And what kind of research have you done? And um, who's talking about that? And all those kinds of questions and really spend time listening to them. You will gain more ground than if you just shut them down. Hmm. Yeah. I've tried to with my kids when they were little to bring up the things that I thought that might cause them concern or doubt later on, like oh, yeah. things like the dinosaurs or things mm-hmm. like creation or, and say, yeah, there's a bunch of different theories on how this happens. Which one, do you, which one do you think is the most true and work through the different, you know, just talking through them so that they don't encounter it for the first time in grade seven science and say, well, my mom's never talked to me about this or right. whatever, just to prep them for the fact that there are people who think differently. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it doesn't just throw them a curveball. The other thing I'm finding recently is that I'm coming to the point where I really think it's not enough simply to teach our kids values. I'm really at the point where I'm thinking we need to teach them uh, values with scriptural evidence. Hmm. So we really need to be reading the Bible with our kids. Hmm. Uh, Because, for example, I've had recently where, you know, teenagers have been asking me, so, you know, these Christians in my lives are swearing because they're trying to get in in with the in crowd. They want to get hip and happening with their kids or with the teens in their life. And they're like, Mom, what do you think about that? And I'm like, well, what does scripture say? And they're like, well, it says nothing. It just says, take, don't take the Lord's name in vain. I was like, is that true? So we've read 
scripture passages in Ephesians where it talks about how let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up. And we've talked about how you're not supposed to have obscene language and filthy language and that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, it's there. The Bible actually addresses these things. It does. So I think it's helpful when people have, when our kids have questions that we read scripture and we know where to find these things. If we don't know, let's look it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can't just simply say, well, don't swear. Or whatever it is. Oh, just believe this. Yeah. No, no. We actually have to be reading the Bible or going back to scripture. I think that sets a really good precedent for them going into it, their adult life. Yeah. Because you can look for the answers. You can find someone else who knows where to find the right answer if you can't figure it out yourself. Yeah. And the answers are there. And the only hunting. way, like, I, they don't always sit in my head either, all of these scripture verses, but mm. because I'm constantly reading them over and over and over. So I would say just keep reading scripture yourself over and over and over. Read through the book. Like, I think, weren't you doing, uh, Crystal, a while ago, you were reading through, like, the gospel of, or one of the letters every day for, like, a month. Yeah. When you do every day for a month, you get to know that particular New Testament letter. Yeah. And then you kind of know where to find certain things. And if you keep doing that with scripture, yeah. wow, like, you learn a lot. Yeah. And we need that, I think, in this day and age now. Yeah. So as parents, we can't be lazy and we can't outsource this to, I mean, as much <laughs> no. as we can throw them to the Apologetics Canada website and all those things. Yeah. yeah. For some things I have to, because yeah. it's just beyond me. Yeah. But I think we have to, we have to model that willingness to learn too, and to yeah. seek out the answers ourselves. And mm-hmm. we have some women who are coming to the thinking series class that um, Kendra and Sarah are teaching and like they're for that exact reason that their kids are asking them questions and they don't know how to answer them. And I think that's great. It's so good that you're here. Yeah. Or an uh, unbelieving spouse. I think there's a couple ladies in the Wednesday morning one that were saying they have this or maybe not a spouse, but somebody very close to them, an adult who is not believing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't go to Northview, you can access these online. Doesn't matter where you live, apologeticscanada.com. Yeah. And they have the thinking series and you can get the book or you can watch the videos. It's very helpful. All the Case for Christ books by Mm -hmm. uh, Lee Strobel, all of the Gary Habermas, you can do that. You don't have to be attending something that we offer here. But no. Right. And then there's also that um, lovely lady, Natasha Crane, I believe Mm -hmm. her name is. And she has one, a book that is directed specifically for parents to children and she has yeah. a blog as well which has been Forgot great about that she, yeah. she came two years ago i think right yeah. to the apologetics mm-hmm. that's right yeah yeah so there's lots of resources out there so we just wanted to encourage everyone that doubt isn't the end of the world and that uh yeah that there are proofs for the resurrection but also just to when people have doubts to maybe dig behind some of the intellectual arguments that they put up and try to say, okay, what's at the heart of this? Why is this person pushing back? Is there at the heart of it? Is it an emotional thing? Has the church let them down in some way? Has God let them down in some way? Yeah. What has put up these walls? Yeah. Because I think so we can't argue someone into heaven. No. Like we can provide reasons to make it more plausible, but ultimately they're going to have to submit their heart yeah. to God, right? And so if there's something that's blocking their heart, yeah. we want to try and get at that. Yeah, so pray for their heart. Yeah. Pray that God will convict them, that he will show them, that he'll provide the resources mm-hmm. at the right time yeah. for them. And what if it's somebody who's just like very aggressive in their arguments against Christianity? Yeah, I would listen to them. We don't have to have all the answers. We can simply listen and say, that's a great question. I'm glad that you're asking it. I'm glad that you're thinking about it. What kinds of resources have you looked into? Like, I don't have to have the answers. Mm -hmm. I can simply listen and be their friend. Yeah. Why don't you pray for us, Crystal, as we wrap up this podcast? Sounds good. 
Lord, we thank you so much that you are a big God and that you created scripture for us to read and to digest and to understand and to study. Uh, Lord, we thank you that um, all truth is your truth. And so if we seek the truth, we will seek you and eventually find you. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us uh, to seek you well and to try and find the answers to our questions. I pray, Lord, that we would have an atmosphere here at Northview where uh, doubting is welcomed in the sense mm-hmm. that we uh, make it open for people to explore the answers for their faith so they yeah. don't feel scared to ask questions or to be silly or, or to look silly or foolish. Father, I pray that we would have a, just hearts that are wanting to shepherd people well um, and so they could understand the truth of your message and the truth of your gospel. Lord, if there's people out uh, that are listening to this podcast today who are uh, wrestling with an idea, Lord, we just pray that through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through people around them, um, that you would enlighten their eyes to understand, their hearts to understand what you would have them uh, know about this topic. And we pray that we would just be good uh, mentors, parents, um, friends, as we walk alongside people who are um, wrestling with belief in you. So we, Lord, we thank you that you are the one who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we just entrust yeah. this process to you and ask you to continue to guide all of us into salvation. So we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. 